everybody, and welcome back to Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and we are down to the final five weeks of the 2017 college football season. And after that, we obviously have conference championship games, bowl games, and of course, NFL scouting departments completing their initial reports on 2018 NFL draft prospects. And in that spirit, it is a pleasure to welcome back to the program our good friend, Nick Kendall of MileHighHuddle.com, or as I like to call him, Dr. Trenches, to give us a look at how the 2018 crop of offensive line, defensive line, and edge prospects looks at this point. How you doing, Nick? Good to have you back. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, starting to get cold here in Iowa City. But uh, that just Chicago. Means, yeah, same in Chicago. You, you got that Midwest vibe as well. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, winter's coming. Uh, winter is coming indeed. Oh, you could also uh, say winter is coming is the title of a book by uh, chess master Gary Kasparov, a great book I would recommend to all of our followers. It uh, doesn't have anything to do with sports. It has something to do, something way more important, uh, you can argue. And you can apply that saying to obviously Game of Thrones as well. But other than that, winter is coming and uh, let's hope it's a good winter. And uh and now moving on to this offensive line class for a moment, let's start with the news that broke this week out of Austin, where Texas head coach Tom Herman announced yesterday that offensive tackle Connor Williams, still viewed by many as a first-round prospect, if not the best offensive tackle prospect, he can return from that meniscus injury as soon as November 11th when Texas plays West Virginia. But even before he got hurt against USC this year, Williams' play seemed to regress, as noted by several prominent ma- analysts like uh, Dane Brugler and Lance Zierlein, to be exact. Uh, what do you think was the main culprit of that? Uh, overhype and just over-analysis of one game. You know, it, it could be either one. He played great last year. I was a huge fan of his play last year, dominant on the run game, um, quick feet in the pass game, very efficient. I mean, obviously, it's Big 12 football, so it's not. it's probably as far away from NFL football as any of the power five conferences, but I, you still love the tools. Um, and he played much better in that U, USC game as well. So I think it's just, I want to see more tape and I'm really hopeful that he can come back because there's going to be some risk. If you take him, if you're only going off of combine uh, measurements and performance and the tape you had last year, considering how poorly he played in that Maryland game, but Absolutely. still, I think, I still think he has great tools. So, I mean, it's, you want to see him on the whiteboard and all that stuff will come into mind, but he's still my number one offensive tackle. Yes. But uh, you also mentioned uh, that, uh, that a lot of scouts had concerns that his arm length might not be ideal to play uh, the uh, left tackle position. And a lot of people were saying that maybe he could be a good right tackle, or maybe if not, he could be a stud guard. Uh, so there's even more confusion about Connor Williams aside from that tape headed into the draft. Just wanted to remind our viewers about that, but uh, sticking with Connor Williams here, do you still think he declares for the draft, or do you think there's a possibility he could return to Austin for another season, especially if his play uh, stru- struggles um, uh, if he does come back this year? I think that it would be in his best interest to come out this year. Uh, this tackle class overwhel- overall has underwhelmed, and there looks to be a decent crop of younger tackles. I know it's always that classic scouts mentality where it's, oh, next year's class is going to be way better. But, I mean, you got guys like Jonah Williams, Gregory Little, and uh, that right tackle for Wisconsin. His name is escaping right now. He's a Richard sophomore. He's been dominant. Um, but So I think given that this year's tackle class hasn't played that well, uh, if he can come back healthy, I think that it would be in his best interest to come out. 
Yes, and you just brought up good, a good point about these offensive tackle prospects underwhelming so far because uh, in last year's draft, everybody was saying, oh my God, this offensive tackle class is awful. But lo and behold, you got Garrett Bowles, Cam Robinson, Ryan Ramchick, and Deion Dawkins all playing rock-solid football this year. So you just never know with offensive tackles. But as of today, uh, how many offensive tackles do you see going in the first round of this 2018 draft? And do you think this class has the potential to be even better than the 2017 class? I don't think that there is a definitive tackle that is better than Cam Robinson or Garrett Bowles at the top. It's kind of underwhelming at the top. That is, especially if uh, either for some reason, Connor Williams struggles when he comes back, re-injures his knee or doesn't, or doesn't come out at all. But outside of Connor Williams, all the other tackles I think are probably about that same range to a little bit lower as what last year's tackle class was. So last year's tackle class was kind of talked about too lowly. It was better than it was perceived. Um, and this year, after Connor Williams, I feel like that's about where it is, especially with Trey Adams returning. Trey Adams is a big athlete, a lot of upside. Everybody I talked to, there was uh, a lot of hype to him because he didn't have the best tape this year, in my opinion, but I saw the tools that made me think that this guy could develop into a serviceable tackle on either side in either scheme, and that that versatility obviously is huge. Um, but this year, like Mike McGlinchey played well, very technical, but I think athletically at left tackle I, I would love to see him at right tackle but still I think he's almost that Ryan Ramchek type he's more polished more tape but a guy that I think projects best athletically to right tackle long term uh, Martinez Rankin is a guy from Mississippi State who's played pretty well this year I do question he looks a little bit small to me but he can really dig in and uh, move guys as well and moves pretty well so he's somebody that I f- could see going in the back end of the round one depending on his combine and uh, senior bowl and everything like that um, Orlando Brown's one I'm not really buying personally, but that, like, if you're looking for just a pure right tackle power guy, Orlando Brown's your guy for sure. He's huge. He moves decently well for how big he is. He's, I mean, wingspan, power for days. I mean, he can literally decleat guys. But I feel like because he is a little bit slower with his foot speed, and because he is so tall. Uh, I think he's limited to right tackle in the NFL, and that lowers his value to me. I don't think he has the speed or the balance or the flexibility that you want at left tackle, especially with today's freaks at edge rusher. Um, So I'm thinking right tackle is probably his best fit. Oh, and I also think he's just too tall for a guard. He's going to not only lose leverage battle right away being that tall against those squattier, fire hydrant defensive tackles, but he's also going to clog passing lanes. So I'm a little bit lower on Orlando Brown Jr. than I feel like the general scouting community is. One guy I do want to hype up, though, that I don't want to hype him up too much, but I've been following him, and he has his last three games. I think he has raised his play, his game, one or two steps, and that is Brian O'Neill for Pittsburgh. Uh, Came to to Pittsburgh as a 235-pound tight end and played right tackle last year, I think, Pro Football Focus graded him as one of the highest pass blocking efficiency guys. I don't, I mean, that's obviously not the end all, but that's something like, okay, the guy that's worth checking out. Uh, he has multiple touchdowns uh, last season as a, an offensive weapon in trick plays, which is really fun to see a six foot six, 290 pound offensive lineman score touchdowns. But this, he's the last three games, he's really taken it up a step, in my opinion. Very smooth kick step, uh, plays with tremendous balance and speed. Uh, but my biggest issues with him is why he obviously needed to add weight. He was definitely skinny, 
uh, below the waist, needed to add some more booty, as they say, stronger to uproot guys. And he just needed to get a little bit more nasty and a better job driving guys out. And also a better job um, making blocks when he reached that second level. He'd glide beautifully to that second level, but he wouldn't always take the best angle or just, just meet contact. It doesn't matter how good it looks when you get out there. If you can't plant that block, you're out there for pretty much nothing. And he's been doing that over the last three weeks. So I went in watching Bradley Chubb, and I came away decently impressed with Brian O'Neill. So he's one I expect to hear people talking about more and more soon. Yeah, Nick, and by my count, there is like four or five potential offensive tackles that could go in the first round, depending on how the rest of the season and the combine and the interview process goes. And now let's talk about this interior offensive line class for for a minute. And uh, it has a bona fide star at the top, in my opinion, in Notre Dame guard Quentin Nelson. And many people believe that he is a surefire top 15 pick, if not higher. Like one scout told Matt Miller, as uh, Matt wrote in his latest uh, scouting notebook for Bleach Report, that Nelson is better at his position right now than half of the guards in the NFL. And I know you're personally not a fan of drafting guards and centers that high, but let's just play devil's advocate for a moment and explain why you think the hype on Quentin Nelson is justified. Well, he looks already exactly set in what you want your guard to do. He is athletic enough to be a lead blocker, a pull blocker, Outside the hash marks, he can pull across the backside of the offensive line and plant a block um, next to that right tackle's hip or even tight end's hip. Uh, he can get to the second level um, very cleanly. And it's not only when he gets there. he He's really just destructive when he makes those blocks. He can really declete guys and just very strong and nasty. Uh, also very smooth in pass blocking. And he has ideal size. I mean, he's never going to confuse somebody for like you know zach martin as far as footwork goes especially as a pass blocker but he's just he's he's what you want and i think he's athletic enough that he's scheme versatile either way he's going to be a plug and play guard for 10 plus years which is obviously valuable i personally my team ended up taking nelson i would not i would definitely talk myself into the value of the pick because he he does play very good football at that position and is one of the better ones i've seen at that position in Quite a while, especially, I mean, you have guys like Brandon Scherf and Zach Martin and uh, potentially, you know, guys like Forrest Lamp who were tackles in, in college football and then moved to guard and have dominated at guard. And that's kind of where my mindset is a lot of times when I'm looking for my guards, uh, at least for the Broncos. But Nelson, for sure, I think you play him and you're, you're happy about it for 10 plus years. Yes, and based on some of our recent conversations, I have the impression that Outside of Nelson, this interior offensive line class looks pretty deep. Uh, how big of a drop-off would you say is there from the second to the seventh interior offensive lineman on your most recent positional top ten list? Um, I would say that there is – I mean, there's obviously some talent, but there's going to be a lot of shuffling as well. Um, specifically for interior offensive linemen, I don't spend as much time starting the year because, like I talked about, I look for those tackles that can kick inside. But I think there is a lot of talent that's still going to get – sorted out and moved around. I'm very impressed with uh, Braden Smith from Auburn. I feel like he does not get enough hype. He's very a very good mover, downhill blocker for him. Also on that Auburn offensive line, not even in my uh, top 10 there, I really like what I've seen from Austin Golson, who's played center to guard and now is at left tackle for them. Just very versatile lineman and can fulfill a lot of roles. I mean, he might not be a starting player in the NFL, 
But if you get a guy that can play at four or five positions along the offensive line and do them decently, that's, that's highly valuable. So I really like Austin Golson as well. Um, other guys that are a lot of fun to watch, obviously Billy Price is a, uh, just can move guys very strong. I like him a little bit more at center than guard, but I think he can do either. And uh, Ross Pearsonbacher. I mean, every time I watch Damian Harris take off a big, big play, I'm watching Jonah Williams too, because I love watching tackles, but Pearsonbacher, I mean, he is very dominant on the ground. And for, I mean, it's hard to judge his passing game because Alabama doesn't really have to call a typical NFL passing game. You know, they can get away with everything being off play action or quick passing, kind of spread them out. But I think Pearson Bacher does show the athleticism that can translate to a starting guard. I'm also a big fan of Wyatt Teller. He's a guy that I haven't heard too much hype on him yet. There's some, there's some in the circle that are on him, but um, checking out the left tackle for Virginia Tech, who's a young uh, junior who might declare he's an athlete, but uh, Wyatt Teller stood out a lot as well. Very aggressive blocker. I, I would say he's the mentality of that offensive line for those Hokies. So yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I think this interior offensive line class is uh, got has a lot of good depth. And uh, if a team is looking for a guard, I mean, some of these guys, obviously, with trench play, it takes some time to get that proper strength um, and get in the league technically. Uh, but I think you have a good crop of guys who there should be potentially eight guys who end up starting from this guard class uh, and center class. Yes, and uh, two names that you uh, didn't mention just now that are on your list uh, in that range. Uh, you got Tyrell Crosby of Oregon, Will Hernandez out of uh, out of UTEP. Those are two names that uh, you did not mention. Uh, um, yes. What can you tell us about them at the moment? Oh, man, I love Tyler Crosby. I'm not sure if he's going to be a right tackle in the NFL or a guard. I do have some questions about his foot speed. Um, you know, you being a Bronco fan as well, watching men like Watson, you know, when he gets his hands on guys, he's very strong, very good in the run game, but sometimes he just does not have that foot speed to get that edge, edge rusher. And that's something I think Tyrell Crosby may have an issue with. Uh, he does have pretty good balance. He looks a little bit less stiff than Watson does to me. Uh, but I think Crosby could be just a bomb guard. He really can just move guys in the hole, uh, can take out two block. I mean, I've seen him take out two defenders too, when he comes down helping a guard, you know, push that defensive end or defense tackle down one guy and then block out the other one. So he's, he's a lot of fun. I think Crosby could be an excellent guard. He has some experience there as well. Will Hernandez is another guy who's a very strong power blocker, had a great game against Oklahoma when I was scouting him. Uh, I don't think he's the best athlete and that's going to limit him some. I don't think he has a spot in a zone scheme, but if you're looking for just a earth mover, that can move some guys. He's, he's definitely one that I like. He kind of reminds me athletically as an athletic profile to a uh, Nico Saragusa. Cause I just don't think either of them are, they're going to have some issues getting to that second level. But if there's a guy in front of them, ask him to play in a phone booth and get down or get down on a guy right in front of them. I think they can move, move some earth as, as they say. Most definitely. And now let's move on to this crop of edge rushers. And this is looking like another pretty decent class of quarterback disruptors, as they say. And when we last spoke in the summer about this, everybody's two favorite edge rushers in the plurality of the scouting community were LSU's Aaron Key and Boston College's Harold Landry. However, two more names have risen up boards. Uh, Cleveland Farrell of Clemson, and you mentioned Bradley Chubb of North Carolina State. And you currently have Farrell as the top edge rusher on your board right now. Why is that so? Uh, for me, it has to do with scheme versatility. 
I make my boards again because I write for Mile High Huddle. I have to make them with a Bronco slant. And I tried to still work in a little bit of 4-3 scheme to it. But I think Farrell is a guy that could be effective in a 3-4 or a 4-3 with how he plays. He's got good get off. You know, he's not going to confuse anybody for Von Miller, but he's got exceptional get off for his size. Um, and he plays with tremendous length and agility and bend as well. He uses that not only excellently in the pass game, but also in the run game. I mean, he can really just take up a gap because he can get through, beat his blocker, and then take up a bunch of space. So he's a lot of fun to watch. And I think he could play 4-3 or 3-4. Um, Arden Key, uh, I need to watch more of Arden Key. I watched him two weeks ago, and he played well. Before that, I watched him, and he struggled. But apparently last week he was dominant again, and I still love the traits. And his tape uh, last season was dominant. So he's had some off-the-field concerns. He's had some injuries, I believe, as well. Uh, but the last two weeks, um, at least when I saw from two weeks ago, looked great. And then apparently last week he played great as well. So he's somebody that could definitely wind up back in the top five, top ten in the draft. But he has a lot of off-field con- questions and concerns. Yes, yeah, so not, not only off-field off troubles for Arden Key, uh, he, uh, you also have to consider the play weight issues because he ballooned to as high as like 270, 280 pounds. And obviously it, it failed miserably and uh, he's trying to lose that weight and get back to um, uh, a, a preferred weight, which would be like about uh, 246, 250, uh, y- uh, you name it. Uh, y- yes, I was going to ask you that uh, I you partially answered this question uh, of Arden Key not falling down boards because of those red flags, but I'm wondering why has Harold Landry fallen a bit on your board? Um, he's somebody that I think that specifically for the Broncos, He's not a great fit because he is a mirror image of Shane Ray. I mean, literally, he just he looks so much and plays so much like Shane Ray. Um, speed rusher, not the strongest, can get really blown off uh, by stronger guys, especially in the run game, but has good get-off, good speed, good agility around the edge, and it's going to be a, make a 3-4 team that wants to rush the edge with a speed edge, speed edge rusher. Very happy. Uh, I would like to see how he performs at the combine still. I mean, there are obviously some some size questions. I am not sure how big he is. He does not look very big to me. Uh, but just as far as the Broncos and what I see them doing going forward, I think Landry is one that uh, could rise. It just depends on you know future plans with Shane Ray. And also, I just like the, I like the little bit more size upside of those guys that I have in front of him. And I think it's a pretty decent edge class in front of him. And I'm, after the Broncos <laughs> struggled terribly with uh, – edge rushers defending the run last year. I am a little, little bit more of a stickler for that. Uh, yes. And uh, once again, folks, uh, Nick, it is a draft rankings. It's important to know, as he said, that he kind of has a Broncos slant uh, to his uh, draft rankings because he covers the Broncos for milehighhuddle.com. So take uh, everything he says about these players with a grain of salt and a grain, a huge grain of context to make that. And now moving on to this defensive line class, you have been absolutely raving about Taven Bryan, and uh, I hope I pronounced his name right, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Taven Bryan out of out of Florida. You have just been posting clips of him nonstop, and you have you said that he you think he could catapult his way into the top ten. What makes Taven Bryan so special, and why do you think he could be a top ten pick come April? If he keeps up the same level of tape he put up against Kentucky and. Uh, Texas A&M, he is going to be a really good player. Top 10, I mean, it depends on what happens with quarterbacks, tackles, everything, but his ability to 
impact games as a pass rusher from the inside really took me back when I watched him. Um, very dominant, plays with his hair on fire. I mean, all the classic cliches. He's so strong in his lower base. He's somebody that, I mean, Florida coaches uh, have been raving about him as a workout guy forever, even teammates. And they were just saying it was a matter of time until he showed it on the field. I mean, some people are calling him a mini J.J. Watt. I don't I don't agree with that comparison. I mean, that's pretty darn lofty comparison. But um, he, he can win from the outside. He can turn that corner, too, if he beats his guard and the quarterback steps up. I've seen him make crazy angles and ability to boomerang back and get after the quarterback. Um, can beat run through, like, between double teams. Um, can hold his ground pretty well uh, when he does, you know, have to plant. Uh, and I'm just, I think he's going to be a really good, fun player, especially if he can keep up the tape that he's put up. You know, I'm excited to watch him going forward. I did watch him in that Georgia game. He did not play as well in there, but that game kind of snowballed also. I mean, it's kind of hard to be an interior defensive lineman and have your team just get punched in the mouth repeatedly and make a huge impact on the game. <laughs> That's just, that it, it is what it is, but yes, good player. Yeah. Game script has to be a very important variable when scouting defensive linemen and edge rushers, folks. That's all there is to it. And uh, you mentioned some people were calling Tate Wright a mini J.J. Watt, and obviously that's a very unfair comparison given uh, the Hall of Fame resume J.J. Watt has already put together. Um, so what do you think is a more realistic pro comparison for Tate and Brian? Honestly, he kind of reminds me of Fletcher Cox. They have pretty much the exact same size uh, watching them. Um, I've actually pulled up some Fletcher Cox tape from Mississippi state. I was a really big fan of him. Honestly, that was one of the first drafts where I was really watching tape to get my opinion instead of just following draft media. And Fletcher, he reminds me of Fletcher Cox that get off is incredible, very strong, very disruptive, uh, very aggressive hands in terms of how he can rip guys off. And I think if he was playing on a team that had a better offense that allowed him to be in more pass rush situations, I think he would be, given even more opportunity to make splash plays. But even so, I mean, seriously, just put on that Texas A&M tape. I feel like with uh, sites like Draft Breakdown uh, not putting up as much tape as they used to uh, and Florida not being very good this year, not many people have gotten the eyes on him in the media as they should. But, I mean, just that game, absolutely dominant. So I'm, I'm excited to watch Tavin going forward and hopefully the uh, – crazy situation that is Florida's coaching situation doesn't uh, make him make his play suffer. Uh, I agree. And, and you mentioned uh, just, you met comparing him to Fletcher Cox uh, and how amazing Fletcher Cox is for that uh, Eagles defense. Eagles are going to be the best team in the NFL right now. And Cox uh, is the linchpin. You could say that defense, his, his, his versatility to line up, whether on the edge or inside at his relentlessness in the pa in the pass rush as well as in the run game, he just makes it tick, and that just magnifies exactly how high a ceiling David Bryant has, according to Nick. And uh, in terms of scheme fit here, do you think this defensive line class is better for four three defenses or three four defenses, and why? Honestly, um, I'm not ready to say <laughs> exactly because I, but in the process, I am have an eye for the Broncos. So I'm not scouting many one tech, three tech types. I'm looking for more of those lengthy five tech, four tech times, or those true zero, uh, zero technique defensive tackles. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I think that 
probably it's best for four three because there aren't that many super length guys uh, that you love to see at the three four five. I mean, you, if you have my list pulled up, I have a bunch of them that I've found, but there's some that are have some projection there, like uh, Kentavious Streets played edge for NC State, always been a great athlete. You can see it on tape, but he just does not really put it together. I'd love to see him more as a five tech or like a three technique where he can use that explosion at his squat size to his advantage. Um, Draymond Jones, if he comes out, another really talented Ohio State guy, what's new? Um, I'm interested by Vita Vea as well. He's somebody that I feel like he's a little bit sloppy in terms of his body weight, but I've heard that teams expect him to go much higher than Danny Shelton, just to be a better player than Danny Shelton, and had a great game against UCLA last week. Granted, UCLA's offensive line is notoriously not very well. Just ask any supporter of Josh Rosen. They'll tell you for five minutes. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think right now I'd say it's probably a little bit better for 4-3, but that could change, and it has a lot to do with how some of these guys measure and test and uh, show out senior bowl and whatnot as well. Most definitely, and he is Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, draft contributor and draft analyst for milehighhuddle.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H, that is K-E-N-D-E-L-L once again, folks. And uh, Nick, we thank you so much once again for donating your time to our program, but before we go, we like to play this little game called Buy or Sell, and I will um, uh, read the name of a prospect, either a offensive tackle, guard or center, edge rusher or defensive lineman that we haven't talked about yet. And you tell me whether you buy or sell them starting with Puna Ford from Texas, buy or sell. Um, I will sell for now because I haven't watched enough of him, but from what I remember, he is kind of short and I like a little bit more length and size. Yeah. But uh, Dade Brugler told us to watch out for him on Twitter. I'm uh, just, uh, for your information. So uh, you got one big analyst who seems high on him. Uh, you mentioned right, high on Brian O'Neill. How about uh, Chakuma Okorafor? Um, I think I will sell him as a first round pick that some people are on right now. I've watched his tape this year, unfortunately, because of PAC 12 network, I do not have access to his uh, USC uh, Western Michigan bout, which would be great to see. But from what I've seen this year, he just, for being a guy who, Glides pretty well in pass protection. He's very soft in the run game. I don't see him get a lot of movement. I see him on the ground a lot. And he just, I hate to say, I hate to use the S word, but he plays pretty soft. I just, I don't know if it's mentally, physically, but I, I get I get the upside. But after having gone through Ty Sambrilo and Donald Stevenson on the Broncos, I'm, I want a little bit more mentality, nastiness, and ability to really jolt guys on that block. And I don't see that when I watch Okorafor. Yes, and the new Broncos offensive line coach probably wouldn't be endeared to a guy like a core four. Frank Ragnow of Arkansas, buy or sell? I will buy him as a center, but I will sell him as a first-round pick. I wouldn't take a center until probably round three. Uh, this so he's, is, he's a good player, though. He's a good player, though. Yeah, this is necessarily buy or sell him as a first round, though. Buy or sell them like in general as a prospect. Oh, I'll buy, I'll buy Frank Ragnow. I'm, I'm a fan of him. Uh, another sleeper that I didn't get a really chance to talk about him, but shout out. I think Isaiah wins a very intriguing piece, uh, piece as well that I think would be a yeah. good center. A little short, you know, stocky guy, but man, he moves well and he yeah. looks to finish guys. So really fun to watch on Georgia. And I think he could be a really good center. Yeah. It's been a rough year for the Florida State Seminoles, but a lot of scouts are in love with Derek Nottie. Buy or sell? I buy Derek Nottie. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, plug guy, very 
just, you know, the classic fire hydrant stout defensive lineman. I think he's going to be limited uh, as a pass rusher because, I mean, again, he's another guy who's, I just said, I like lengthy, bigger defensive lineman. He's, he's not the biggest, but he's a wrecking ball down there, and I'm a fan of his game. I think he makes everything tick for that Florida State defense, even though they haven't been as good this year. Yeah. And another uh, defensive lineman uh, that's been rising up boards in recent weeks, Stanford's Harrison Phillips, buy or sell? I buy Harrison Phillips, the dude. He sounds like he is like super, one of those superstar students that like they must have been created in a test tube growing up because he like works in homeless shelters and soup kitchens. It's like a 4.0 student and like the team captain. And I think he's going to wow people in the senior bowl, especially in interviews. Um, as a player though, I think he needs to add some strength. He looks like he, he's scheme versatile. So I'll buy him in that regard. Uh, and I'm a fan of his play, but need to watch more of him. And I think he's a guy like Tavin Bryan. He's not that type of athlete. A pass rusher that has been uh, getting a lot of attention recently. The number one team in the country right now is Georgia, and they got a pass rusher named Lorenzo Carter. Buy or sell? I love Lorenzo Carter. I'll buy Lorenzo Carter. Great athlete. What he did to Mike McGlinchey consistently was just downright dirty. That strip sack to end the game was phenomenal. Probably the, as far as I can tell, that that's the play that's changed the biggest course of the college football playoffs so far this year. Because if not, we're talking about an undefeated Georgia and a one loss, or an undefeated Notre Dame and a one loss Georgia, which would completely change things. Uh, but I love Lorenzo Carter, and I think that he could be a uh, combine freak. He could just absolutely blow up the combine and rise up draft boards. And if he does that, he should be a first-round pick. And uh, last but not least, uh, the arguably the only good defender on Oklahoma, Ogbania Okoronkwo, buy or sell? I'll buy him with the right defensive coordinator. He is, I mean, isn't that true for every defensive player or any player these days? But he's somebody that kind of, I think he needs to have a Hassan Reddick type of senior bowl where he shows that he can play. Not only is he obviously great coming down, being an edge rusher, but I don't think he has the size or the sand in his pants to play that position consistently. So he's going to have to show some ability to play uh, more off ball, more man coverage, more just, you know, coverage in general as an off ball linebacker. And if he can do that, I wouldn't be surprised at all, surprised at all if he moved up into first round consideration and he can play off ball, be moved around, but also be a great speed rusher off the edge. That'll be an interesting development to watch in the offseason indeed. Thank you very much once again, Nick. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom. But we plan to be back next week with a look at the 2018 defensive back class. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Nick Kendall, our producer, Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromwell saying so long and stay awesome.